0: I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. In October, 2023, I headed out to Round Rock, Texas to help celebrate Thermosol's 65th anniversary. And a few thoughts before I share the details of this happening. If you have listened to the show for any amount of time over the past four years, you have heard me telling you about Thermosol. They are the presenting partner of the podcast. And I have had the good fortune to both tour the factory and spend some time with Mitch Altman, third-generation president and CEO of Thermosol. On this most recent trip, I also had the opportunity to sit with Murray Altman, second-generation president and CEO, and Mitch's father. I am a fan of Thermosol for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that... We've been working together for quite some time. I have seen how Mitch runs his company, how he treats his employees and customers, and the design talent who specify Thermosol for their projects. I'm also a fan of Thermosol for the manner in which they make their products with care, with skill. And with both the best engineering practices as well as a policy of line testing every unit before it leaves the factory. No other company that I know of in this space does this uh, that operates with the same level of pride in manufacturing and then stands by the product for life. It just doesn't seem to exist elsewhere. But it does at Thermosol and you're about to hear why. The story behind the design is what designers are looking for on behalf of their clients now, and that's a great thing. Product quality should be rewarded. Businesses should be rewarded for what they do and how they treat their clients and partners. Companies should be rewarded for how they do business, for how they look out For those same clients and customers offering the best in the industry should warrant designer and client loyalty i believe this full stop if you haven't yet looked into thermosol this episode is for you and if you are one of the premier designers who specify thermosol i hope you enjoy this episode as well because it will give you a deeper and more nuanced narrative to share and, and and that deeper understanding of the company and how they operate on your behalf and that of your clients. In this episode of the podcast, you're also going to hear from my conversation with Mitch Altman. Then you will hear from Murray Altman. Following that, you're going to hear from two extraordinary creatives who were the recipients of Thermosol's Design Awards for their work in bathroom and steam shower design. Nadja Pentich of Knock Knock Design and Allison Cotet, of House of Cotet created some amazing designs, and I am absolutely thrilled to share them with you. So, we're going to get to that right after this. I am so proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They have been presenting partners of Convo by Design for four plus years, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the absolute best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products in steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design and patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S.-based manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me, and you know this, that the idea of luxury has changed, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom steam is mandatory, or it's just not considered luxury. If you want to add steam, you have really one true option if you want the best, and that's Thermosol. Mitch Altman, third-generation CEO of this family-owned company, of 65 years continues to innovate the bathroom and shower space through technological marvels such as intelligent showering systems, sound therapy, aromatherapy, chromatherapy, technical interfaces, and so much more. And now Thermosol, the industry leader in steam bath equipment and technology since 1958, is enhancing its already stellar family of products with the new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. Thermosol's latest collections offer luxurious features, and there's only one option if you want the finest experience, Thermosol. Check out thermosol.com and at Thermosol on the socials. I have been looking forward to talking to you again in person. It has been a very long time, and since you've been on the show, and I, I've said this a couple of times, you were, you were on episode 271, and we're in the mid-400s at this point, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. a well, Couple of hundred episodes worth. A Couple of hundred episodes <laughs> worth exactly, and it's been a while. And, and you know, all that time, I cannot let this go without saying that um, Thermosol has been such a strong supporter of Convo by Design, I, just, I can't possibly thank you enough. Well, you do a great job, Josh. Thank you, thank you. And I, and I love what you guys do for the design industry. And we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you though, For those that maybe haven't listened to episode 271, or, you know, it's been a while since they've really looked at Thermosol, tell me the backstory again, give me the brief history. We're talking third generation, 65 years in the business. I mean, there's a story there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, my
1: grandfather founded the company in 1958, although in 1956, he owned a plumbing company. He was a plumber, and uh, my father and my uncle—one of my uncles—worked with him uh, in the plumbing company called DNA Plumbing. And uh, his name's David Altman, so it's David and and the Altmans. Um, and they were doing, you know, plumbing work in in New York City. And a French diplomat uh, named Jacques Sally asked. Um, if they could put a steam bath in his shower in his penthouse like the one he had at the men's club, you know, so he was I guess a, a real high, high-end type of guy and so he belonged to a men's club. And my grandfather said sure, he didn't know how he was going to do it, but he said sure. And he put a boiler in the basement and ran tubing up to this guy's place and, you know, put it in his shower. and. Um, the guy absolutely loved it, and he was paid $10,000 in 1956 for this guy's shower. My grandfather was obviously elated, at $10,000 more money than he ever saw, especially for this guy wants a steam bath in his shower, no less. So a couple, three weeks goes by, and uh, a, a friend of the, the, Jack Solly, Calls my grandfather and says, "Hey, can you do one for me?" And my grandfather says, "Well, maybe there's something to this." And he he set upon uh, coming up with the mini electric steam generator. And in 1958, Thermosol was founded, and that's that was the start of the steam shower industry
0: and what's interesting too is you know we're talking we're going back and forth a little bit but it's really interesting you're talking about a company that's been that's been doing this at such a high level for 65 years innovation and innovation seems to be at the at the very start of this company and it's something that means a lot to you and it's it's always been part of the the progress of thermosol which is which is why you know the brand extensions the product extensions now sauna which we'll get into that a little bit too talk to me about the, the the technological side of the business the innovation side of the business and and why D is so important to you
1: well look technology has changed the world you know over the last 20 years it, it just it's changed the world and it's ever increasing in its ability to change how people live their lives and you know operate and enjoy the products that they purchase and and you know live every day and so in order to stay relevant with how people you know function in their life and their and their daily activities it's important to make sure that the technologies and what they're used to and what they're expecting are met and that's why we always strive for innovation and technology and that's why we lead our industry because we put in
0: the effort to do that what's interesting too and it's it's not just it's not just talk. Um, you have an engineering team on site yes, we do. We have an engineering team on site we have a
1: a test facility that I would say uh, in this country for sure is on it, it, there's nothing like it i don't know about the world, but i'll say for sure in this country there's nothing like it, and we develop our own products we don't go outside to have them developed and for example, you know, you want a, a touchscreen control. We don't we don't go to a touchscreen control company that makes a touch screen for you know, a touch screen is used on thousands of products. We we design our own touch screen using components and designing it specifically for the shower so that you know there are you know that environment is a special environment and because we have a test facility we're able to uh develop our products specifically for the environment that they're designed for and that and that's very important
0: it it would be so much easier to offshore and to bring products in from elsewhere but but i I think i think that's what's so important because having an internal engineering team you know the way i think about this mitch is it's like you have an internal team and you say, hey, you know what, I want to try this. I want to see if we can do this. You have, you have showers set up that have been built. I'm, I'm watching some testing yesterday that's, that's going on now. It's just fascinating to me because I think from, when, from where the product started to where you are now. So you moved to Round Rock from California, what year? 2014. Why Texas?
1: You know, at that time, uh, Texas was the was the place to be for you know business, and um, it wasn't as uh, busy as it is today. And I felt that um, if we were going to design a facility uh, for the future, that I'd want some place where uh, our team members would be able to afford a home and have you know good schools associated with with that area, and our present state California was just kind of running away with uh, their ability to do that. And uh, so I had to make a decision about where I wanted the future of Thermosol to be for not only for the business standpoint,
0: but mostly for our team members uh, benefit. You know, it's, it's funny too, because I, I spent nine years in, in Dallas working in media and I, I love Texas, but what's interesting to me is a lover of design, for years, like when I started the show, I would call Texas and basically everything that wasn't LA or New York or Miami um, the design flyover states, right? So design didn't really happen there. I mean it obviously it happened there, but nobody was paying any attention. So you come to you come to Texas, you land in Round Rock, which is basically Silicon Valley of of the South, and you know, Michael Dell was here, and now looking at, at this technological environment, where you have the ability and the freedom to really create product that changes people's lives, it's it's a pretty special thing. That being said, I have often said um, that when it comes, and especially post-pandemic, if a if a bathroom doesn't have steam, can you really call it luxury? I think that you. I don't think you can. And I think what's changed so dramatically is what's available. And we're here now in Round Rock, we're celebrating the 65th anniversary. We're doing, you're throwing a party, you ran a contest that is just, some of these designs, some of the things that designers are doing with your product is absolutely amazing. It's fabulous. Right? Tell me the process about that. Like when when it became, when you first realized in the last you know, I don't know if it was pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, but when you first realize that designers are doing such amazing things with this with this product, it, this is a this is a moment. This is this is changing the industry yet again.
1: Yes, I, I agree, and that's you know, and from a technological standpoint, and like I said before, how the people use their you know function in their lives, um, the di- the designers obviously can see that, and so when they put that into their design, they're they're coming along and using those designs in the fashion that will improve their projects and and keep them relevant as well for how we're moving the shower forward and how they're designing them into these beautiful showering environments and moving the showering industry ahead.
0: So I'd say it's a good thing. Talk to me about product Um, because the manufacturing the warranty the fact that you've got a line where every single product is checked not one out of 20 not one out of 10 but every single one of them every thermosol employee that i've spoken to you know they they wear that thermosol badge as a as a badge you know it's not a logo it's a badge and they t- there's a, an incredible amount of pride that seems to come top down like this the The functionality of the product is is of primary importance. Has it always been like that? Well, we
1: we um, we have a great corporate culture here. Um, 65% of our team members. I I really don't like the word employee. I like the word team member. But uh, uh, 65% of our team members um, have more than five year tenure. And 40% of our team members have more than 10-year tenure, ten, uh, tenure here, and we, you know we 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 take our corporate culture very seriously. We we certainly appreciate them and show them, and uh, we have team members here that have more than 20 and 30 years here. So um, I will say the pandemic did, did throw you know I, I'm sure it's through it in every every. Companies, uh, you know, a monkey wrench in every company's corporate culture because everybody was home and huddled and so forth. But um, you know, we're 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 regaining it and, and working on it and making sure that everybody is back to snuff, and I think they are. So, but yeah, corporate culture here is a, is a big thing,
0: and and uh, we take it serious. Adding to the products, you, you have added sauna. To the to the line of Thermosol's offerings, how did how did that happen, and why? Well,
1: you know, sauna was always in the industry, and it was primarily distributed uh, not through the plumbing, wholesale, and kitchen and bath industry. You know, it was was more of a pool and spa product. Um, You know, outdoor product versus indoor product. Although we've we've always carried. A line of custom cut saunas, which is if you 're transforming your closet or a specific small area that 's supposed to be a sauna where you panel the the sides of the walls and, and make it into a sauna, um, but you know our customers would love to have the ability to sell a sauna, and uh, you know we were able to um, work with a company that's the leader, you know, one of the leaders in the sauna business to design a sauna specifically to our specifications, you know, commensurate with the Thermosol brand um, that we're
0: now proud to uh, distribute. Take me back a little bit. Um, When you're growing up, one of the things that I just think is amazing about a family owned and operated company, especially one that's been around for 65 years. When you were a kid, are you running around on the factory floor? When you're a teenager, are you, are you working for Thermosol? I mean, I got to imagine that you have, who, who better served to sort of look at the future of this, of this company? You grew up in this company. That's correct, yes. I mean, I ran around the factory floor
1: when the company was in the Bronx. And my grandfather was still around, and you know I was just running around then. Um, and then after, you know, my my grandfather unfortunately passed early, and my father was running the company, and uh, we had a facility in New Jersey, Fort Lee, New Jersey. And there, in the summers, I would work and build generators and stuff, and you know, uh, be part of the team there. So yes, and then uh, I went to to college for a little bit, and then I. Started to work at Thermosol pretty much full time when I was 23, and you know worked my way through all the pretty much all the jobs there, and uh, until eventually it was my turn to take over.
0: Tell me about the that sense of that sense of responsibility i mean look honestly it's it's one thing to to go in and to take a job no matter how big the job happens to be right you can take a job of a company that belonged to somebody else you go in you're you're a custodian you know you're you're it's your job to run it at that time it's different though when you watched your grandfather toil and build and you know every building a business is a struggle no matter how successful you become there's always they're just different struggles right so you've watched your grandfather do this you watched your father do this and then it becomes your turn to run the company when that happens how do you you know maybe it's a it's a pedestrian question but how do you view that like when you come in do you say i want did you say i wanted to i want this company to be this i want to change people's lives and here's how we're gonna do it from where the company is today. How do you approach growth and development, especially now, and, and I say especially now, putting it in context with, you know, the pandemic pretty much changed the way we think about home. The idea of home, residential environments has completely changed. Did that change your thinking? And I, by the way, I have this tendency to ask like one question that leads to five questions. And so- <laughs> I totally do that, um, but it's. You should know, come
1: on this and be on camera with me.
0: It's just out of curiosity, you know. <laughs> how do you envision when it's when it's your turn to be the keeper of the company? What do you change? What do you do differently? Or is the goal not to change anything?
1: Well, there are you know. Look, there are core things that you 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 don't change no matter what, no matter in my opinion in any business you don't change you know the quality of your product you don't change your integrity you don't change your stand behind and make sure that you always appreciate the customer um so these are things that are the foundation of any successful business although you know the like i said before you know that the marketplace changes the uh consumers expectations about how you service the marketplace changes and you know successful businesses are able to um receive that and adapt to make sure that, in our case, my goal is to be, to make sure I'm ahead of the curve instead of uh, behind the curve.
0: And so that, that's the goal here. And, and speaking of which, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we can't have this conversation without talking about the pandemic. You know, in, in 1921, Spanish flu, and what, what that did for design and architecture was absolutely groundbreaking you know because it was so so long ago many people don't really focus on all of the advancements that came out at that time you know the use of subway tile in a residential environment the the removal of porous wood from the bathroom environment you know for for things like linoleum and and non-porous materials it's it's better for health it's better for wellness it changed lives how did this how did this pandemic, how did this happening change you, change the company?
1: Well, uh, again, like uh, from a corporate culture standpoint, it became, you know, we were, we, we were lucky to have the ability to operate, you know, we weren't uh, shut down in any way, because, you know, you have to remember, uh, you know, people think of a steam shower, as uh you know it is a luxury and a wellness and stuff but there are a lot of people that use a steam shower for their health they have you know issues respiratory issues and things like that so it some segment of the of our customers are are using our products for medical reasons and so we were able to operate but of course um with the use of technology we were able to do that with a uh You know the staff being working remotely the ones that could and then of course of the people that uh, worked actually building the product had the mask and the whole nine yards but the you know the the camaraderie the quarterly birthday parties the you know the the chance to walk around say hello to everybody and and so forth and so on you know that's lost during the pandemic so that's from the cus that's from the from the corporate corporate side of it you know from the from the uh, customer side of it, of course, they're they're home. They're like, maybe I'm going to be home. Maybe I'm going to continue to stay home. Um, maybe now it's time to maybe do some remodeling because I'm going to spend more time here and I'm going to work and live here. So I can I can justify maybe putting some money into my home because I'm going to be able to use it things more and you know, home gym, a steam shower, things of this nature, uh, I think benefited from the pandemic and bene- and, and changed the way people work.
0: As I mentioned, we're, we're here to, we're here to celebrate 65 years, but also this design contest. I'm trying to put myself in your, in your seat and you see what some of these incredibly talented designers do with your product how does that make you feel
1: it's it's great it's wonderful to see you know look we we make advanced products we lead our industry but they're just it's just a product it's just a it's a it's just a product it's just a box but to see that box get incorporated into this beautiful environment is really uh amazing and and it, it is the goal we're a piece of that environment and you know, and I would say, um, I wouldn't say a small piece, but I would say it's a, you know, it's just a piece of the environment. And uh, the designers and the the contractors that put together these fabulous showers uh, is really the really the the cap on it. I mean, you know, we're the engine; they build the car, and so
0: that's part of the experience, and it's part of what makes everything work. I love that you brought up the, the, the car reference because I'm going to take it one step further. I kind of envision, um, you know, when you go to DPHA or you go to KBiz, IBS, they're kind of like the, the auto show. You know, when you go to an auto show, some of the cars you're going to see on the lot next year, but most of them, you, you go to see the ones you'll never see on the lot, right? And I feel like what, what you've done here by showcasing some of the projects that these incredible creatives are doing, it's kind of like that aspirational environment where you see something. It's like, you didn't realize that you could do this with a shower enclosure. One, one project that, that comes to mind, because I've spoken to him um, on the show, was uh, Michael Gilbright, who, who did his project. He got special recognition, I think, for a um, uh, design house. That he did this bathroom for, but it was, Mitch. What I thought was so cool about Michael's project in particular—not just to single him out, but everything in this mail inspired. And by the way, if you want to, if you're interested, and you want to go see it. Go to Convo by Design. Check the show notes for this episode, and there will be a link to Michael Gilbride's Thermosol project. It's it's amazing. But there was such detail and such thought put into every element, you know, the invisible drain, views that actually when you walk through the door, it's a small bathroom, but you walk through and you can see through the bathroom itself, through the glass enclosure, out a window in the back. Everything that he did was just thought thought out. And this was a space that wasn't a bathroom before it became a bathroom. And what I love about that is it gets the mind jumping and you start to think about what's possible and what the potential is. And I think what that also does is it makes a lot of designers realize, you know, adding steam to a bathroom isn't just adding another appliance to a space. It's actually changing the way people live. It's affecting their health, it's affecting their wellness. Um, You can probably tell that story better than I can.
1: Well, yes, absolutely. It, it you know, look, a, a steam shower and a steam bath is, is certainly relaxing. It's certainly uh, cleansing. And, you know, if you take a steam and a warm shower afterwards, you're, you're totally relaxed. If you take a steam and a cooler shower, you're invigorated. So it's a, you know, there are, there are things coming, uh, being developed now and, and, and exist now, contrast showering. Um, you know, ice baths, things like this that are, you know, um, showcasing the hot and cold experience and how that, that will help you with the next part of when you're finished with that activity. Like I, like I said, you know, warm would be relaxing and cool would be invigorating. So these are the things that have been around forever. And I, and I might add that uh, a steam shower never goes out of style doesn't matter, the environment may change, the style of the environment may change and they're, they're beautiful environments, but, but, but the steam shower itself, that will never change as far as going out of style. So, you know, when, when you do a steam shower, that part of your bathroom is, is a keeper. You know, at some point, if you're in a house long enough, you may want to change the tile or you may want to change, you know, the fixtures or something of that nature. But that steam's gonna stay, because it never goes out
0: of style. Well, and it's funny you say that because um, one of the coolest things I, I I think that I've seen in in years really going through the content that Thermosol has over the years. There were there were some photo shoots in the seventies. I'm, I'm going to say they were the seventies, right? Seventies, eighties?
1: Uh, I think they were late 60s 70s I don't know which photos you're talking about but they're, they're
0: around the, they're around the facility the the marketing Mitch the idea of of marketing back in the late 60s early 70s some of these and again uh, you know if you go to the show notes and there will be a link for you to click on some of these you know borderline risque but especially for the time especially but I mean just cat, nobody was taking bathroom shots in the '60s and '70s, the bathroom was a was a strictly utilitarian space, but not to you, not to well, the. Well, that that
1: that that you know the utilitarian space probably started. Uh, I would say probably in the early, early, late '70s, early '80s. You know, they the first thing that was the first thing that started with the bath, and from my from, from what I remember is the colors. So you know it used, to, it used to just be white. And then you know Kohler introduced a bunch of colors and wild rose and blah 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 blah, a lot of, lot of different colors. And so the bathroom became, oh I get to now play with my bathroom. And then you know it was a whirlpool tub and you know i got a whirlpool tub and my whirlpool tub's this deep and your whirlpool tub's that big and and so you know the bathroom started to become some place that the designers and and consumers could play with to make it a little different and start to enjoy something different in the bathroom than the utilitarian use <laughs> that that it was and but steam steam was before all that and it was a concept that was truly Truly unknown, so it was it was truly unknown. So um, it wasn't until the later 80s where the shower became the area that people wanted to uh, play with and, and design and and use because they use the shower every day and they would use their tub very rarely because they used a lot of water and you know but a shower every day. So when the shower, uh, started to become the area that really gets used and is part of your real is part of your routine um, that's when the steam shower became um, much more popular um, because I'm going in there every day and you know I may I take a shower every morning and I may take a shower at night depending on if I went to work out and so forth or I'm working out at home and to have that steam in the privacy of my home, without having to go into some public area, uh, is is quite a nice nice item. So, so that's kind of like the timeline of the bathroom that I that I that I think you know
0: happened during during those times. In addition to that, I think you touched on a couple of points that that bear repeating and maybe a drill down or two. And one of those is, you know. The idea of the gym and going to a gym and being in a sauna or steam room of a gym, it's, it's still a functional place. There are some people that still enjoy that. They're, they will be around forever. The idea though of having that type of solitude and what, what you also have this opportunity to do is to create this environment, this environment of solitude where you can, you can be in the enclosure you have, you know, HydraVive with 300 neoprene falling water jets, four speakers. You have, you have a screen. You can, you, you've got apps at your at your fingertips. You can watch shows. You can listen to your favorite music, aromatherapy, chromatherapy. You're creating an environment that actually does what it seems like everyone's crying for these days, and that is the the ability. To, to be connected to the content that you want to enjoy, but to also be disconnected and not tethered to your phone in a space by yourself where you can just think. And, and to me, nothing screams luxury more than that. I, I agree. I agree that
1: it, it's as connected as you want to be, but as disconnected as you want to be with how you want to be disconnected. So, you know, from a, from a standpoint, of relaxation you know you you push the calm act uh app and you enjoy that app or you're you're getting in the shower uh, this morning and the market's going crazy one way or the other and you flip on you know the business channel and you're taking a shower or whatever and it's like oh you know this stock's going crazy or that stock's going crazy or whatever so it's as connected as you want to be or as disconnected as you want to be and and that that goes again to how people live their lives and having the ability to choose how how in the time and space that they're existing what they want and what they need and it's at their fingertips with our products coupled with the beautiful designs
0: that the designers do. As we talk about product we talk about technology we talk about advancements let's talk about the future of the shower let's talk about because it's funny, isn't it? This is one of those things that most people do every single day, and if you don't do it every day, every other day, every third day, whatever your routine is, this is something, this is a universal experience that, that we all we all share. Everyone showers. So the idea, and not, you know, when you're talking about something that everybody does, not everybody does everything. Someone might like tennis and somebody else might like basketball. and. This is something that everybody experiences, and that universality of it is really quite interesting so through these advancements, like the digital shower, for example, tell me what that means. Tell me what that looks like now, and how you how you envision the the growth and use use of the product well uh, yes, and you know
1: we call it a smart shower, but you know the uh, yes, so. A shower is an area that you visit every day. Um, and you say every day, but I visit every day at least. Um, and so again, it goes back to how people are, are using their environments and what they expect in their environment. And so the smart shower incorporates now the use of controlling the shower uh, via, via touch screen and the technology that's that's... Everybody uses every day, so it's also provides a clean look. So you would be eliminating all the valving that's in the shower. You know the the valving for the water flow. You still have a you know a, uh, a rain head or a shower head, a wand, body sprays, etc. But the valving is controlled electronically. Um, You're able to turn it on before you get in. You're able to set your temperatures and so forth. You're able to um, do a contrast shower where you get the warm and the cold um, process. That can be automatic so that after a workout, if you contrast shower, first it might give you some, some heat and then it might give you some cool to relax your muscles, to heal your muscles. So the shower is becoming now uh, smarter you know smarter and so thermosol has a, a digital valve which incorporates into our smart shower and it ties the whole thing together so you have you know controlling all your shower and having it being remembered uh, by bather uh, you're able to choose contrast shower you're able to you know watch a video or or just you know music um, lighting um, and then also incorporate the steam as well. So it's a, it's a total environment uh, controlled and, and specifically designed, controlled, and remembered for your, your specific use. So
0: it's, a, uh, it's the future of showering. And you mentioned something too about it knowing who you are, the, the, the user profiles is really just such a, such a wonderful aspect to this because you can, you can set your profiles so that the shower remembers who you are, remembers your, your habits, your preferences. And that, that type of, of personal recognition, again, it just, it's, it's special. And it also, it's a, it's a time saver too because you don't have to go in fresh every single time because it remembers who you are. It remembers what apps you're using, what, what your, your temperatures are. And I imagine too that, that that's only gonna change and it's only gonna advance and that's part of, again, you know, going back to having an engineering team. Tell me about the product testing. So when you build this entire this, this enclave of, of the Thermosol headquarters, and by the way, if you haven't seen the facilities here, they're absolutely amazing and I think only a phone call uh, will we'll get you a tour of the thermosol facilities. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think every designer um, who is thinking about adding, and, and by the way, I think every designer should be adding steam to every project because it's it's kind of like back in the you know back in the day you know we didn't have refrigerators so refrigerators weren't in the kitchen you know you didn't have prior to that you didn't have running water so running water at some point you you advance and you elevate and this is one of those things that i just think is you know the potential for universality in a in a steam shower everyone should have at least one i think that if you're planning correctly every bathroom should should have steam it just it just kind of makes sense but part of the focus for, for you has been the, the personal nature and personalizing this shower experience. And it, it's gotta it's gotta boggle the mind a little bit as far as what you can do and how far you can go between the chromotherapy and the aromatherapy and the temperature. And now you look at the potential, you know, with AI, and I know that everyone talks about AI. But because it just kind of seeps into most industries, I got to imagine eventually, um, it's it's gonna be a part of what Thermosol does as well. Do you think about that?
1: Yes, I do. And I mean, you know, the, the start of somewhat of the AI thing is, I guess, at this point in the shower is Alexa. So, you know, you can tell Alexa to turn on different things in the shower as voice command. And I'm sure that as AI develops in well you're able to grab that technology and figure out how to use it to make the the showering experience uh more convenient more uh in keeping with what what uh people will be doing with ai i'm sure it will advance some more
0: and because the learning curve is so steep one of the things that you've also done is is you know the introduction of saw university talk to me about that a little bit and, and how designers can take advantage of these educational opportunities so that they can really get to know how to incorporate these types of proje- uh, products into their projects.
1: Absolutely. You know, the, you mentioned that, you know, uh, a phone call will get you a tour, but we do have a, a, a full showroom. We call it Sol University. We have all the products on display. They operate. Um, we have appointments that you could sign up for online where somebody will, you show up in or, you know, via, via Zoom. Mm-hmm. You show up in our showroom, and they go through the product line with you, and talk to you about the product line. We also, if you have any projects or anything going on where you have size of a shower, and it's like, okay, what can I do here? You know, what's my client's budget? You know, how do I how do I accomplish this for for less or more? Or I have no budget. What you know, I want the shamalama. You know, we're 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 more than happy to, uh, you know talk with you and, and create a relationship so that you have a place to go to make sure that you know what's available and we'll, we'll steer you there. But DeSalle University is open, everything works and we'd love to, to see you there.
0: And, and I, again, I just, I cannot stress highly enough that being able to come in and look at how the product works, see how it's packaged, see how it's manufactured, you know down to the cnc machine back there and watching it being made in front of you you know it's just is is extraordinary um talk to me about the warranty and i know that you know when you talk about warranties it kind of gets in the weeds of the business a little bit but i don't i can't think of anything that is you know actually more important than that because that's that says how you stand behind the product and it's pretty extraordinary. Well, uh, we have a
1: lifetime warranty, and it's it's really no questions asked. Um, for a period of time, uh, depending on the, the model that's purchased, there's an in-home warranty where a repair guy will uh, go to your home and repair your product, and we'll we'll pay and have it repaired. But normally, there there isn't any issue. But you know, a, a steam unit is a calcification machine, so you know, over time, maybe. It's calcified or whatever and it may need some, some maintenance or some repair and we stand behind that uh, for a lifetime and uh, we have a, uh, a process that makes it extremely easy for a consumer to uh, utilize that warranty and we're the only one in the industry that, that has that kind of a process
0: which is which is extraordinary and you don't do that unless you have the full faith and support of those who are making the product and and again you know it just goes back but it bears repeating again you know it's not one out of 20 that are checked it's not one out of 10 that are checked it's every single product is checked on the line before it leaves the factory
1: oh absolutely i mean the quality of the product is is unmatched in our industry it's the best product in our industry for sure. But if you have a product for 10, 20 years, it may need some maintenance. It may need, to, you, know, it may, you know, something may happen. And so we stand behind it and make sure that the customer is satisfied at no, at, you know, for a lifetime.
0: But it's, it's more than that too, because it's not just that, but you've also worked other things, PowerFlush. You know, talk to me about the, the really unique aspects to this that that not just provide for the greatest experience, fast start, you know, that you, you get it faster than anything else. It lasts longer because things have been taken into account to make this generator last longer. Yes, I, I, I get it. i I'm,
1: you know, I, I didn't, I'm more than happy to go through all the features and benefits <laughs> to, of you know all the little items on the on the unit, but okay, if you want to pick one, let's talk about power flush. yeah, okay, so the industry had what's called uh, auto drain. so uh, after you have a steam bath, the water drains out and so forth so that the water and the minerals go out. However, um, you're 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 now sub, uh, subjecting the tank to air, and so the air just makes the calcification worse. It's just like if you wash your car, if you just let the water stay on the car, it turns into calcification. It's like you want to keep it wet and then dry it real quick, you know, so otherwise you get calcification. And so what we, what we found through our testing is that we leave, we leave the, the tank wet because the tank now has, doesn't see any air. However, with a a regular drain, you're not really, and it used to be that the drain would uh, drain like once a month. So you'd have all this calcification potentially sitting on the bottom of the tank and the water above it, and it it would basically not have the ability to push the calcification out the drain hole. So we came up with power flush where it pumps water in underneath the calcification, turning it up and spitting it out of the generator, and that 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 enhanced the longevity of of the generator. And so these are the things that, you know, through our, our technology and our testing lab through the years, how we've taken what what is needed and what's being done in the industry and made it better. Our steam vection steam head. So you have a steam head that, you know, steam goes to the top of the, your shower. So showers have grown, so you have a high ceiling. Um, so the steam comes out at the top of the, the shower. It's, it's hotter than where you're sitting. So we created a steam vection head, which, which creates a convection in the shower so that the temperature at the bottom of the shower, the middle of the shower, and the top of the ha- shower is much more uh, even so that if you stand up in the shower, your head isn't hot and your feet are cold. So in this, in the steam shower for say, so these are the things that, you know, if you didn't know anything about a steam shower, which obviously how one performs versus another, which most consumers don't, you wouldn't know, you just think that's the way it is. But Thermosol solves those problems. And then we, we, we talk to the consumers and, and the designers and so forth and let them know why the product's better. And constant steam at a constant rate. You know, the uh, other units use a solenoid valve to replace the water that's burned away during the steaming process, that's boiled away. We use a teardrop replacement so that the steam is always constant. It never never has to cycle where the steam slows down and stops, and then it comes back on because the tank is refilling. You're prone to water hammer that way but ours is a teardrop replacement. So if example, you're boiling water on a stove and you take a teardrop to replace the water, that's uh, an eyedropper. You replace the water that way, the water never stops boiling. If you let the water boil down and pour a glass in the water stops boiling and that interrupts the steam flow. So these are the things that we've done to make the product better even though somebody that may have a competitive unit and has that on and off thing and the water hammer potentially thinks they're just all that way. When they, we've had a lot of people that have competitors, they, you know, they, they come across thermosol and say, you know, our thing does, oh yeah, yours, mine does do that. Yours doesn't do that. I don't
0: like that, but who knows? So. yeah it's an education process and and it's interesting because this is one having as many conversations with designers and architects and, and builders and developers as I, as I have the the architects the builders developers tend to tend to have more of that institutional knowledge coming coming into the game it, it has been my experience I feel like the designers especially now as busy as everyone is you know finding the time to get educated on every product out there is just It's impossible, Um, but that's why I think opportunities like this are so important. And I'm so glad that we had a chance to sit down and talk. Let's not wait a couple hundred more episodes before we sit down again, Mitch. Thanks for doing this. No, thank you very much, Josh. You are listening to my conversations from the 65th anniversary party at Thermosol. We'll be right back. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery style space with a thoughtful display of products purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, Natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available. Stop by to find your inspiration, collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. Mitch. Thank you for the time. Love this. Next up, this is second generation president and CEO, Murray Altman. So you're learning, you're learning this process as you go. When did it I'm not looking for a year, but I'm just kind of wondering. This this to me seems like one of those original word of mouth stories, like someone hears what someone else one of their neighbors has and then you're you're doing something brand new. When when did you know that the steam shower, the steam bath, was something that was gonna transform the company or become a new company and really take off. And I guess what I'm asking is, it's, it sounds like the same question, but whenever there's something new, you have the early adapters, and then you have the process of developing the product into, to, to further the development moving forward and i imagine in the early days you're kind of just working with what you have to figure out the the cubic feet of an enclosure what's the perfect enclosure how high does the steam head have to be how far away can we can we put the generator what's it like being being the pioneer of this industry at that time and then you look back at it now and what do you think of the development what do you think of how the company has changed did you ever did you imagine that this is what it would become
2: yes i did and mitchell did and he still does (laughs) and i'm sure the next generation will do the same it is exponentially growing we have competition now we didn't have it before but when you analyze what competition is it's only a a part of what a thermosol steam generator or steam bath and controls are today. It's amazing what Mitchell has done. He has taken a a bread basket, that's what I used to call it, steam generator, the size of a bread basket, and made it into what it is many products. It's not just a steam generator, but it is a host of other things that have embellished it just like the automobile or anything else that it is it is it's an environment unto itself but it is one thing that I have to point out and I pointed it out years ago this is an appliance for yourself we have dishwashers to wash dishes we have dish uh, clothes washers clothes dryers We have appliances for everything else, but this is an appliance for ourselves, for not only the adults, the children, with coughing, with with stuffed nose, with sinus. There are a host of items which a thermosol will go ahead and provide you with. And that is so important for the family, not just for one person, but for the entire family. So. I have kids, I have a son, and I'm trying to
0: sort of put myself in your shoes, you know, growing up watching dad do what he does, and then as the father watching, handing the responsibility to your son, and then watching what he does with the company. what was it like, you know, Mitch working for the company when he's younger and then handing it off to him and watching what he does with it now? When, when you look at that, what, what are your thoughts?
2: I am very happy. I am very proud. Nobody, There isn't enough money in the world to give me to make me feel any better. I'm just elated with what he has done.
0: What kind of kid was he on the floor of the factory?
2: Uh, Ambitious. Yeah? Ambitious. He, uh, he handled every task as it came to him. Ambitious.
0: What, what might your father think about what's become
2: of this company? Well, my father's watching right now anyway, so he's elated just as well. And Mitch was his number one grandson, so he, he's hooping right now yes he is
0: I, I love that and, and you know Mitch it's got to be a special moment to be able to you know this is interviews are interesting these conversations are really interesting because they're they're a, they're a time capsule you know it's a moment in time where you get to sit down and you get, to, you get to have this conversation that we rarely have outside of you know dinner over Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah when, you, when the family gets together um as you as you think about it the gravity of you know we're here celebrating 65 years which is a, 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 an incredibly special moment thoughts on on the aspect of the family business and through the trials and tribulations and the turmoil that that comes with it personal professional it's it's not like you can just say, okay, you know what? I'm taking another job because this company doesn't hear me or feel my needs. This is your company. This is your father's company. It was, your, it was his father's company. When you have the chance to sort of sit down and think about it what, it, what is the gravity of the significance, 65 years, how many generators, how many clients, how many happy customers, the impact that the company has on people's lives, which I think sometimes we forget day to day, the actual impact on people's lives. As you have a chance to sort of reflect on that, what, what, are, what are the thoughts? How do, you, how do you feel, especially sitting next to your dad, you know, and hearing the stories, how does that make you feel?
1: Well, uh, uh, I hope I don't lose it. <laughs> um, well, I'm very blessed um, to have my father sitting next to me. You know, he's 86, so that right there, It's a blessing. Um, yeah, you know, when you when you have a family business, you know, it's basically your your family's reputation. Your the product you put out a reflection of how you feel about your yourself, your integrity, and you know, satisfying your customer, which is always number one goal. If you satisfy your customer, you'll be successful. And so that's that was the mission number one and then you get past you know you do that and then you sometimes you think you know we make things we make things somebody wakes up in the morning and pushes a control or turns a timer or whatever and they're using that product and it's a. Uh, when you make things it's a good thing especially if it improves people's lives
0: I think, I think that all too often, I think that's forgotten. You know, it's become every, you ask people, hey, how are you? And they don't really, you know, they don't really tell you initially how they are. They tell you how busy they are, right? And I think everyone has become so busy that lost in translation is, is the fact that good companies do good things for people and they make life better. I think that's, you know, if you're gonna measure anybody or any company by any standard, what have you done for, your, for the quality of life of the people for whom you serve? And, you know, I've said this for years about designers and architects and the talent that goes into to a good designer and what they can do for their clients. They couldn't do that were it not for the products and services of, Manufacturers and, and product creators such as yourselves, and i don 't think that you you're just you 're not a product company you 're a service company that happens to make an exceptional product that delivers and, and <laughs> if I sound biased it 's because I am um, i 've done the research, and we 've been working together for for over three years I, I know this product, I know the company, I know the family. Um, which is which is why you know I love the opportunity to sit and talk to you about this because it's really special not every product gets to say that they make the lives of those they serve better not everyone gets to say that but you guys actually do that and I think it's important to note too that it's not done the easy way it's not done through mergers and acquisitions of other companies that do a good job you built this From the ground up which is why i think it's so exciting to look at it i mean murray did you you know in in the 1970s in the 1980s did you ever imagine that this company and this product would become what it is today
2: of course (laughs) hopefully (laughs) it's just starting you know it's just starting the uh, world is a big place and um, steam bathing is 5,000 years plus old. It's just a, a way of, of pre- presenting it easily. And that's what Mitchell has done. He has not only presented it that way, but he has increased it at the enjoyment in the environment in which you take a steam bath today. It's simple. Used to be you had to go into a steam room at a club or a, you know, a country club or you know, uh, other facilities, but here it's right here available in your house for less money than most people think. And you have it. It's, it's amazing what Thermosol has accomplished. And certainly Mitchell, the leadership has done that. And that's what we have to think about. Tomorrow, not today, tomorrow, what the world will be able to enjoy is steam bathing, not just bathing, steam bathing. I love
0: that, and I love this.
2: Mitch Murray, thanks for, thanks for doing this.
0: Thank you, Josh.
3: Hi, my name is Nadia Pentek. I am the owner of Knock Knock Design. We specialize in kitchen and bath design, and we're located in Oakland, California.
0: This would be helpful if I actually <laughs> remember to pick up the microphone. I, I've never actually done an interview where I, where I didn't remember eventually to pick up the microphone. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Love the space. Thank you. We're going to talk about your award-winning space in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, so have you been to Texas before? No. What do you this think? This my first time. I love that.
3: I, I mean, I haven't seen much yet, but I'm super excited. One thing I'll have to say is people are really nice and welcoming and sweet, and I really appreciate that. And I love the weather, and um, I can't wait to go cruising around Austin tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that's going to be fun, right?
3: Yeah. Give me
0: the backstory. Tell me how how you wound up in design. And I I love this story. We were talking last night over dinner, and I I love this story.
3: So the backstory goes way, way, way back. Um, I'll have to go back to my childhood for a second. So when I was uh, a kid, and this was, we're talking about late 70s and early 80s, My dad's best friend, who happened to be one of the world-class basketball players, became a basketball coach and was working all around Italy. I don't know, any older basketball aficionados will know that people from Croatia and Yugoslavia are amazing basketball players. So one of these guys, a lot of these guys I grew up with, you know, when I was little, they were like giants in my house, you know. (laughs) But anyway, long story short, um, my dad's best friend ended up being a coach for uh, the team of basketball that was sponsored by the largest factory of cabinets in Italy named Scavolini. And so through them, eventually when this guy retired, they started representing Scavolini in my country, in Yugoslavia and Croatia. They started opening showrooms of the Scavolini kitchens that were owned by the basketball player who didn't know anything about cabinets, but my dad, who was an engineer, did know a lot about stuff, so he got hired to work for their showroom in our hometown, and very quickly became the most famous engineer in the factory, which is huge. It's sold in 70 countries around the world. They do, you know, millions of euros a year. So my dad, whose name is Borco, Boris, was quickly becoming the most technically specialized order placement placement manager in all of Scavalini world and he ended up going to some banquet just like this one at scavelini and at some luncheon uh, talked to the owners who found out that he had a daughter who was in san francisco i was working for gap at the time i was in the corporate garment world and they convinced him to come to america and opened the West Coast for Scavolini. They had a few showrooms on the East Coast, one in Chicago, one in Florida, but really the whole West Coast was not addressed at all. And so my dad called me up and said, hey, you want to start a kitchen business? And I was like, sure, how hard could that be? I don't know what I was thinking, but anyway, Dad and I partnered up. I left the corporate world in 2000, and we opened our first Cavallini showroom, and then went on to be agents for West Coast and helped open seven other showrooms. And we did this for about 10 years until the recession, the last recession. At that point, Dad was pushing 70, was ready to go back to Croatia. And so we closed the business. It wasn't making any sense at the time to run it. And I, But I was now in love with the business. I loved the kitchens. I loved the design. I was like, my, my interest was spilling past cabinets into other areas. But I had to sort of rethink how to do it because I didn't have a showroom anymore. And I didn't want a showroom anymore. My parents were retiring, and I didn't really have the support to care for my child. and do all this other stuff. So I started shifting more into the design world. And by 2012, I opened Knock Knock and started focusing on design and specifying much more so than selling actual cabinets and realized that I actually love it, that that is my superpower. My superpower wasn't to go count the containers and the cabinets and manage the orders. It was like, hey, I see a space and I have a vision and here's what we're doing, you know. and so. Slowly over time, I kept getting more and more specialized in just doing the design work and specifying, and, and uh, that's what I do now, and I love it.
0: That's amazing, especially in a city like San Francisco, and for what you've been doing f- for a while, how has, how has design changed? And, and I know that that's a broad question, but how has design changed in San Francisco, Northern California, where you have this you know, it is the home of Silicon Valley. It is the home of early adopters. It is the Mm -hmm. home of, so in California, you have this, you know, California, especially in Los Angeles has always been this home of experimentation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's where creatives go to test themselves, try Mm -hmm. new things, see what they're made of, see what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. Northern California has always been a bit more reserved like New York City, but you've always had that California spirit you've always had the the money, great clients. How has design changed in that time, over the years, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, pandemic, post-pandemic, how has the business changed?
3: I would say, I think the biggest difference was the the type of people who work and live in Silicon Valley, in the Bay Area, and specifically San Francisco, because San Francisco used, when I first moved there in the mid-90s to late 90s, it was still a pretty multifaceted town. The the whole Silicon Valley was still sort of in its diapers to some extent. Not that there wasn't money there already, but it wasn't as big as it was now. So I would say the face of San Francisco has changed in in a way that younger population with a lot of money, you know, I, I would get clients who are like in their early 30s who were like the first three founders of Facebook. So they're like, bazillion like so money really wasn't an issue but their priorities were different sustainability where things were sourced from those things were different more modern design when i first started i couldn't get away from a cherry shaker to save my life for like six months you know and then finally like people who wanted blue and red and glossy kitchens were starting to show up and this new new client was more contemporary. They were also more interested in smart appliances, sound integration, light integration, more technological advancements in their kitchens and baths compared to some of the older population. And then as the, you know, as the kind of market shifted and we started going into COVID, I think COVID changed everything in a way that people just started really turning themselves back to themselves you know there was a way that all of a sudden it wasn't all about what you do and what your job is and how much you know and not all your time was spent going to work coming back from work and being at work you were now at home looking at your family looking at your spaces and realizing hey I actually kind of like the slowdown. It's okay to self-care. It's okay to you know worry about your health and wellness and and well-being and your family. And so people started sort of shifting their focus. They changed the design in a, a bunch of different ways. But I think specifically for the bathrooms, it was more about the luxury. It was more about creating sanctuaries. It was more about creating a place where you can really truly enjoy and care of yourself instead of take a five minute shower, brush your teeth, and be on the next train to work, you know? So I think the way people lived and stayed in their spaces changed a big, great deal during COVID. Tell me about
0: the connection between luxury and personal wellness.
3: (laughs) When you have luxury items, there is, you know, luxury, I think, personally, I think it facilitates wellness. You know, being able to have like an infrared sauna or a steam shower or a massage shower or heated floors and all of these things, they are luxury items, but they are also a way to facilitate for you to feel good about yourself, to feel comfortable, to feel that you can actually care for yourself in a specific way. I'm not saying that self-care doesn't exist without the luxury items, but I think the luxury items definitely make it feel easier. Easier to access certain states, certain states of your body, states of your feeling when you have those luxury items accessible to you.
0: I feel like, and and give me your take on this. Um, But I feel like you know, following the the this financial crisis, the Great Recession that we had, oh eight oh nine. Following that, there was this sense of I gotta keep running. I got to keep going. I, when, you, when you meet people at events,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right, and you, you get together like we did post-pandemic, and, and you got to say, hey, how are you? Here's what comes out of 95% of people's mouths. I'm so busy. I am so bu- I'm busier than I've ever been before. I'm traveling more than I did. I'm busier. I'm doing more projects. I'm doing... There's this disconnect that's sort of taking place now. Mm-hmm where people when they think about what it is that they actually want which unless you have time to stop down and really think about what you Mm -hmm. really really want you don't really think about it Mm -hmm. and so you don't act on it this idea of i want to slow down Mm -hmm. i want to stop for a minute i want to be able to just sort of chill and relax reflect spend more time Mm -hmm. with family and friends travel do the fun things that Mm -hmm. we've not been doing for the last 12 13 14 years and I kind of feel like that is drawing this connection between the idea of what luxury actually is. Mm-hmm. It's a great conversation. And luxury is not always having the most expensive item. It's right. not always having, like, you know, there's Swarovski crystals in my right. shower so that right. the water <laughs> reflects. And right. I, I don't know. It's silly. But it's, it's true. And it's kind of like this idea of luxury has become synonymous with wellness and wellness Mm -hmm. synonymous with luxury. And I'm curious if you're finding that now, and it sounds like you are, and you know, take me back to this particular project, the clients for whom you designed it, what they were asking you for, what clients, Mm -hmm. what are clients asking you for in that regard these days?
3: Well, I'm going to backtrack to one of your multiple comments and questions (laughs) and say my personal take is that time is the biggest luxury. And if you invest in your home to be a place where you really, truly feel cared for and nurtured and good, then you are going to allow more time to be in that home and care for yourself. And that is a luxury, whether you have Swarovski crystals in your bathroom or not. And so I think that is the realization that people are coming to, coming out of COVID and coming out of all the craziness. I don't know anybody who didn't have really challenging couple of years or three or four or, you know, people are coming out of it now and I see it everywhere. But I think being able to devote time for yourself in whatever way you can in a home that you love is the biggest kind of statement of luxury you can make, you know, and then from there it becomes a question of budget, right? So um, Leisha, my client, who um, I did this bathroom for, her and I already had history. She hired me originally when she first bought the house, which was over five years ago. And at the time, you know, she was a starter homeowner, just had a baby. You know, our budgets were somewhat limited and we were redoing the kitchen, which was a disaster at the time. So kitchen was first and she knew she had two other bathrooms to do. And then two years ago, she called me and we did the guest bath downstairs. And we were sort of saving the primary bath for last because that was her place her space where she could, you know, she has a really challenging you know, job, she's a single mom, and so having an oasis where she can hang out in her tub or get her steams going, or whatever, this was really important, so her and I really kind of were the most excited about this project and how to create a space that she can really care for herself, relax feel good, do her makeup, do her whatever morning routines, and just really feel like a queen when she comes out. So that was our goal. So we were immediately looking at chandeliers and freestanding tubs, and she right away, right off the bat, said she wanted to have a steam shower. So that was the focus from day one. We just went through several iterations on how to organize the space. Space, you know, it was an older house, you know, we had like one of those old tubs that was like... Child, old with grout and everything. (laughs) Alice is laughing, you know. And so there was like things that we had to tear down, and basically we tore out the whole place and started from scratch. Created a whole new floor plan that allowed for the bigger shower that we can put a bench in, that we can put the steam in, that we can sort of um, create a zone. So it was really kind of designed around the steam shower, you know. And because we're in California, labor prices are so ridiculous we knew we sort of had to pick and choose our items that were we're going to so we knew our luxury items was the thermosol steam shower and we knew we wanted to put the heated floors in but then so i helped source other things in places that may be more entry-level budget price points so that we can compensate and make sure that our budget still comes out in time so if your designer is willing knows how to use a spreadsheet or a calculator that you know and you put the work in and we really put the work in we put a year into sourcing all the items to make sure that eventually it all falls into place and that the budget is the right budget but that it still looks amazing and it has all the qualities of the bathroom that she wanted you know that was specific things she wanted and we got them all in so
0: as a designer Mm -hmm. do you favor the official reveal or do officials sort of do you, do you like sort of the soft reveal where it's kind of they see they see the work in process and they see it coming along or do you like that moment when it's done to walk them through
3: it's kind of hard to do that unless they like go on vacation (laughs) while the the remodeling so there's really hard it's really hard to walk you know walk them away from the bathroom or kitchen say don't look for three months you know so but if it were up to me it would always just be the before and after you know that you know you don't see the things in between because a lot of times things in between cause some anxiety for the client they don't understand what's going on they don't understand why things are taking so long They don't understand why the walls haven't been closed up because the inspection hasn't been, like, what, so so a lot of times they're not, they're creating for themselves a little bit of anxiety because they don't understand that it's actually all happening the way it's supposed to be happening and it's not pretty along the way. It will be pretty when it's done, you know, so if I could have my way and just do the reveal, that would be my (laughs) choice.
0: I always have to ask I don't have to. I choose I choose to. I I always ask California designers about the added challenges. Like it's not hard enough <laughs> I get the eye roll. I know, I know. It's not hard enough to talk to clients about their budget. It's not hard enough to work with the cities about, you know, inspections. It's not hard enough to work with the trades. It's not hard enough to specify exactly mm-hmm. what the client wants and do everything the client needs. But now in California, I mean, I get it. You know, we talk about sustainability, and the desire for st- sustainability, but there's a difference between talking about it in concept and theory, and practical application. Mm-hmm. It's hard. How do you how do you navigate the the currently changing and always changing? You know, now when you do kitchens, you're, you're saying, okay, well, I can't do natural gas, so everything's mm-hmm. got to be electrified. How do you how do you navigate that as a professional when things keep changing so quickly? It's like it's like trying to, to walk on quicksand.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think part of it is that our vendors are really well trained and educated. And so I rely on my reps to bring me new information when something is specifically changing about the product. Like for example, in California, all the faucets have to be 1.75 gallons and the, the showers are all limited to 1.8 because they don't want you to waste the water. As a matter of fact, a fair amount of my clients are just pulling the tubs out of their houses altogether because they don't want to fill it up. And so you, you know, the thing for me is that I care about that. I care about sustainability. I care about saving the water. I care about all those things. So it's not that hard for me to stay on top of it and find out what the next thing is. I also, for example, love induction cooktops. So the fact that they're going <laughs> to just ban the gas doesn't really bother me as much, but it is for some people a big struggle so i encourage people to educate themselves to, to also go to vendors to go see demos if a new product that they have to adopt for example like an induction cooktop or something like that go see it in action everybody will show you how it works you know, but the the reality is that not just us as professionals and not just the vendors but also the clients are getting educated because it, it, it does matter to them so they'll come to me and be like hey i found this amazing Recycled material that they are now making floors out or what do you think about using that or whatever that case may be or they'll They'll tell me that they want to use a specific material for their cabinets or or something else because of the way It was sourced or where it came from or whatever So uh, I think if you collaborate with all of your village and your village is not just you It's the contractors the vendors the stores the retailers the, the public officials as well Then you'll have the information that you need
0: so you, you actually, and I asked, I asked the question further because, you know, here we are at Thermosol in Round Rock, Texas, and we're sitting in their cell university, which is their learning center. Mm-hmm. So you take advantage when, when brands provide totally. opportunity.
3: Anytime somebody wants to train me, I'm there. Okay, so <laughs> let
0: me, but let me ask you this, because here's the other side of that that I think is really kind of tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many lunch and learns CEUs, Mm -hmm. meetings, gatherings, trade organizations with functions, how do you, how do you prioritize?
3: I prioritize based on what are the brands and products that matter to me the most that I've noticed that my clients use the most. So for example, if I've had a training by a thermosol this year, I probably won't go next year because like, unless there's something so amazing that was developed they'll call me up and be like hey you need to see this and then the rep will come in and show me but for the most part you can kind of stagger the information and the training that you're getting so that you're not completely going crazy running around from one lunch and learn to to the next you know the the likely the industry doesn't move that fast that you know when new information shows up that you don't have time to learn it and so I think it's a matter of just Putting in a little bit of effort. It doesn't have to be a full-time job. But you know, once a quarter, if you can do some learn something new, it's probably sufficient for you to stay on top of the information in the industry.
0: Well, congratulations. Thank you. I am so happy for you. Love your project. Thank you. It's amazing. You did a you did a masterful job. Thank you for doing this and congratulations.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Nadja. You are going to hear from Alison Cotet of House of Cotet right after this. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful incredibly durable and highly functional kitchen, bath and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California.
4: Hi, my name is Alison Cotet. I am with House of Cotet, and we are uh, located in Houston, Texas.
0: So we're here in Round Rock, yes at the thermosol headquarters and I love that we had a chance to meet this way yep Um, why are we here
4: so I remodeled um, a bathroom and we put in thermosol steam shower and I entered into the competition for the 65th uh, anniversary for thermosol and we won so top three
0: you did and congratulations thank you the space is absolutely amazing oh yeah and I want to talk about that in a minute but first tell me the story how how'd you wind up doing what you're doing so I
4: went to school I've always wanted to be an architect ever since I was a little girl when I would play Barbie like I wouldn't play Barbie like normal I would actually set up their whole house and kind of do like their house and like design it you know all kinds of cool things and it would always be something different every time I would set up their house and then once I was done it was probably like two hours later and I'm done like I don't want to play Barbie anymore so I went to school to be an architect that didn't work out but I'm still like a draftsman so I can work for an architect if I wanted to but um, I actually got a job as a project coordinators assistant and then uh, like two weeks later she just quit her job and we were doing like 2 million to 4 million dollar custom homes um, so I was I, I had to learn everything so I had to learn how to support the project managers in this um, in this company so I learned everything and I loved it so much and at the time there we would um So they would like hire a third party interior designer to do all the design and I was just ordering and making sure the quotes were right. And she would always take her time, you know, like it just, it was never the full package of what we needed to complete the house. So I was always having to like finish her work. And I told the builder, I said, look, give me a chance. Let me do one house, I will blow your mind. And he did. And from there, I was the interior designer for all the projects from there on. So when I would go home from my project coordinator position, I would go home and work as a designer. And I would turn in my work so that I can complete that job. So I started there. I was with them for like three years. And then so I didn't want to work there for so long just because it wasn't the right place for me i found brian phillips uh, with casein gray i was with him as only the interior designer and i was there for three and a half years um, until i uh, decided to go on my own so when i did decide to go on my own brian phillips already knew that i had an llc house of Cotet, and he was okay with that so he knew that I had um, like my own business on the side and he was fine with that so this year in January I am actually on my own so yeah that's where everything started
0: (laughs) congratulations you know what starting a year off uh, with a major award for bathroom design Uh and starting your you know really on your own it's gonna feel pretty good
4: oh yeah yeah absolutely I I for a long time was so nervous to be on my own and this year like it was a big step for me and I enjoy it so much.
0: How does what you learned as an architect inform and impact the way you work as a designer?
4: So um, because I went to school for architecture I know the software that they use and that's AutoCAD. So that helps me a lot. So if there's like furniture placement, if uh, we're doing like a light remodel or uh, cabinet elevations that need to be done, I get all that done. So that, that's really what helped me.
0: So you work in CAD. You, yes. you do it yourself.
4: I do. Yes.
0: I, got a, I have to imagine that that is an absolutely incredible advantage. Oh, yeah. To 100% have.
4: right most times interior designers will send that to like a third party contractor uh, well like uh, whoever does it and it takes a long time you know and it's it's more money for the client but I do it all in-house
0: one of the one of the superpowers of designers one of the skills that some of the best designers have is the ability to measure and it's funny <laughs> Oh, you're, yeah. You're laughing because you know this is this is true. It's one of those things where it's like you'd think it just comes so naturally mm-hmm. to do measurements, but it doesn't. Not all designers know how to do measurements. Some don't even try. They outsource their, yep. their measurements and CAD input to somebody else. I, I have to imagine that that, too, is something that you learned early on.
4: 100%, yes. And as a project coordinator, um, sometimes project managers, they were so busy that they kind of needed that extra help. So I would go to the the houses and kind of help them. And because I know Spanish like fluently, I would talk to the painter. I would talk to the carpenter in Spanish. I would go to the T with measurements and everything. And I learned even more on the field than just in school
0: it's really interesting that's that's another advantage you know it's funny because honestly we don't really i, I don't talk about that a lot mm-hmm. but now that you mention it what an incredible advantage too there is not just speaking spanish fluently because that is really important because many if not most of the trades are spanish speakers yeah. you know original spanish speakers first language spanish yep. speakers um, but what's interesting about it too is not language aside there is a vernacular there is a there's a different it's like a different language yeah talking to trades and because you know it's a more technical conversation mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. and s- sometimes trying to explain you know i want this book matched or i i want this to look this way i want the trim to be reversed here or it's it yeah. seems like it's a great advantage for you
4: Oh yes 100 percent. it helps me every single day and from those contractors i learn a lot like i learned a lot from you know taking the measurements and and getting sometimes i know the answer to specific problems that go on and i ask them what would you do because sometimes they have a, a better solution so i'm always learning every day is a learning curve for for all of us really
0: by the way what would you do is one of the best hacks Mm -hmm. there are. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yes. And, and, you know, all too often, some people don't... True type A uber creatives don't naturally like to ask for help. Is that something that you've always been comfortable with? It's Being able to ask for help or assistance or advice or input... Oh, yeah. Is amazing. Yep. Have you always been that way?
4: I've always been a team player. Yeah. Always. Uh, my contractors, I don't scream at them. We are on the same team. I've I've seen so many, like, really just bad, you know, bad situations where I would never want to be that person. Um, they are your team. Like, we are working on this house, and we are trying to get to the, the same result. Um, so So, yeah. It's it's a team effort and it's always been um, so like when they mess up I'm like how do, how do we fix this how do we fix this together what can I do to to help
0: I, I love that Yeah. It, it, so let's get back to this award winning bathroom of yours mm-hmm. which by the way it's one of those things like nobody can ever take that away from you once, yeah. once you're an award winner you're an award winner <laughs> for life it's awesome um, tell me about the space tell me okay. about the the desires of the client and talk to me about sort of the coming together the crossroads of desire and luxury and mm-hmm. and and making this something that really fulfilled all their needs
4: so the client is actually the owner of an allaire homes so he is a builder himself um and he reached out to me because i was under brian phillips which he also owns in Allaire. it's like a franchise um so he said hey allison like my master bathroom needs help. Um, it just looks very outdated, we wanna refresh. Um, and he kind of told me he wants a steam shower, he wants the floors to be heated, um, he wants a freestanding tub, the, the must-haves. Um, and I said, okay. I walked his house, I've, I felt like, I looked at the style that he has. I felt what he really wanted in that space and, and kind of, you know, I walked it to get an idea of that style that he wanted. Um, and I said, okay. So what I normally do is I put a design packet together. Um, I, I bring all the finishes, um, you know, the tile, the plumbing, the hardware, everything together so you can see all that in one, like, packet and then i present it with all the samples. He didn't want to change anything but one thing. One thing was the green tile that's around the tub. He was like, "Allison, like are you sure? Like are you sure you want to do green tile? Like it's going to stand out so much." I said, "Trust me. You need a pop of something and that's your pop." So he said, "Okay." And now it's his favorite thing in the bathroom. Um, so what I did in the space is I didn't want to use the same tile for the walls, for the floor, for the tubs around, for uh, the vanity wall. I didn't. I wanted to be more creative and bring all these materials together and mix them. So the floor is like a porcelain. It's a white um, kind of like matte finish. The slabs in the bathroom, they're like a black slab with a lot of like rusty veins. The tile in the tub is the green tile. And then uh, behind the vanity is like, it looks like a wooden slated tile. And that's kind of like a wooden tone. So I mixed all these elements together. I also mixed the finishes in the bathroom. A lot of people are scared to mix and they think they need to match everything. They think they need to match the shower trim, the, the plumbing, uh, the faucet. The hardware, the lighting—you don't need to. You mix the two, like I did, black and brass, and those mix very well. Um, you you can mix other finishes. It just needs to be kind of like they need to they need to go together. They need a flow. So that's what I did in this space.
0: Talk to me about the specification process because <laughs> I don't want to call it a fear, right? But many designers have this. Concern and that's probably the best way to put it, mm-hmm. when, it when it comes to adding tech you know your you know it's funny to me so your definition your explanation rather of talking to the builder and saying, look green you're concerned get it here's why I'm doing it
1: mm-hmm.
0: here's what it's going to do here's, mm-hmm. here's what it's going to solve here's the purpose for it you're going to love it trust me when it gets to the tech side of things, what's behind the walls, you mm-hmm. know, where to place your generator, um, how, how to blend and match the faucetry mm-hmm. with with the other finishes. Those are things that are a bit more nuanced and a bit more technical.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you address, what, you know, talk to me about the learning process because when it comes to a steam shower, it, it's, it's a highly functional. Yes. High, re, high reward. Yep. Proposition. Yep. You know, this is something like you think about, you know, it's like sometimes when you're thinking about design and you're working with clients, you have to put a cost per use yeah. to things, right? Be- yeah. Because it's like, well, that's so expensive or this is not expensive as, or as expensive as I thought. Or, but when you think about something like, how often are you going to use this? Yeah. Are you going to use this every single day? If so, Talk about the quality of life. What's that worth? Mm-hmm. Where do you start with that that cost basis as far as reward,
2: mm-hmm. cost
0: per use, the technological side? Like how how am I going to approach this? And I imagine, you. sorry, I tend to do this sometimes where I'm throwing like one question <laughs> one leads question to 10. One question leads
4: to another. <laughs>
0: but I'm curious that, you know, the idea is what is your process when it comes to these elements? And how do you deliver that? such as in in this space to your to your clients
4: so if they have a wish list and they're like oh you know I would really like a steam shower I do ask the questions of have you been in a steam shower would you use it every day do you you know do you see that benefit in this bathroom uh, to really invest because those are pieces that you do need to invest a lot more in those are features that you know not every bathroom has so we talk about budget in the beginning and budget for like the remodel um for this bathroom it's hard to really get to a number because the client doesn't know even me sometimes i have i have a better idea than the client but sometimes if they're throwing out steam shower and and heated floors and all these things i'm like okay i need to get quotes together Um, I need support from the um, reps, so like Thermosol rep, I would get support from them, or Kohler, or whoever that we're putting their product in, I do get a lot of support, and they help me get all those SKU numbers, everything that I need for this remodel or new build. And
0: and yeah, and I imagine that that's incredibly helpful too. Absolutely. You mentioned something too that's interesting, like they don't know, that they want steam and it's funny because i i I make no bones about it i am a thermosol fan Mm -hmm. like i've i've used the product i've seen them in action i've seen i've seen their training i've seen how they work directly with creatives like you to to help provide you what you what you need and i think that i feel like that's a rarity Mm -hmm. in the business today especially because everybody's so busy but when it comes to something like this like you know adding do you talk about the features and benefits with the clients? Do the clients, are they curious about that? Are they asking, what questions do they ask?
4: They they don't ask specific questions on like, you know, what are the benefits? They just see it. Like they go to a really cool hotel. They see it. They want it. That's like probably 90% you'll get that 10% even 5% that they oh I know all the benefits and or we need to know the every single thing about it very rare very rare do I get those clients it's mostly just that wish list that they want and when I do put a design uh, packet together for them I start off with adding everything everything that they wanted and if their budget gets very high I start toning it down like okay we need to remove this we need to remove this to get to that price point once they start seeing those numbers then you know we need to tweak some stuff yeah
0: and it's funny too i'm putting myself (laughs) in this bathroom with radiant heat steam shower Mm -hmm. just ultra lux you you'd have to pry me out of that space (laughs) it's amazing oh yeah it's amazing okay silly question Mm -hmm. but curious when you do a steam shower like that, mm-hmm. do you test it out?
4: Oh yeah, you absolutely. You do? No, well, I no, mean, no, like, no. Do, like yeah, me going, yeah, oh yeah. no, 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 no. I, I'm not getting in someone's shower, no. Well,
0: no, I, it, it sounds silly, but in all seriousness, yeah. like I'm just curious if that's one of the things, like I would imagine were I to be like a kitchen designer, mm-hmm. that I would want to test out everything to make sure that it works the way that I would want it to work that it does what it's supposed to do and when there's a steam shower I mean you like I said you'd have to prime me out of that place
4: so what what we have in the design center which is where I have all my uh, design meetings like I can basically put a custom house together like 800,000 and up I mean I can get A whole like get all your selections together in like probably four meetings in my design center and in the design center we do have a steam shower and it is a thermosol steam shower so the client if they really want to experience that or even me uh we can do so
0: that is the coolest yeah. thing ha- has a client ever taken you up on that and, and gotten in it and used it
4: so we just finished the office which has the the shower and the design center so we will we will be using it and also the office has a gym so like go work out get in the steam
0: shower <laughs> yeah Th- that's the best yeah that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, congratulations. Thank you. Well-deserved. Amazing you. space. Great job. Absolutely. Thank you. So there you go. The story comes full circle. When you hear what the goal was at the company's founding 65 years ago and what it has become since, innovators, creators, and purveyors of the finest steam generators on the market today, crafted with purpose and precision each tested on the line before it leaves the factory and comes with a lifetime warranty. Hopefully you understand why I'm such a fan. Thank you, Mitch, Murray, Allison, and Nadja for sharing your story and exquisite work. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Design Hardware, and Moya Living for your continued and unwavering support of the show and for the design community. For more stories like these from the design community, please make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you receive new episodes automatically when they're published. That way, you never miss a single episode. Convo by Design is available everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.
2: Thanks for listening. Until next week, be well and take today first. (laughs)